0: The United Soccer Coaches is proud to present the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. That's right. The NSCAA is now the United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free, no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org join today. We unite coaches at every level of the game around the passion of the game. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. That's right. I am
1: Dean Linky. So proud to host the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, and so excited to be at the world's biggest soccer show, the 2018 United Soccer Coaches Convention. And this week's edition will focus on Team Snap, of course, as we are here with an incredible panel to get things started. Let's meet our panel the Chief Growth Officer for Team Snap. He's already been on the program. His name is Ken McDonald. Now he's live and in person. Ken, great to be with you. Thanks, Dean. Great to be here. We're also here with Jason Sachs, the National Director of Business Development for the Positive Coaching Alliance, which you've learned a lot about on this program. Jason Sachs is here. Good to see you, Jason. Thanks for having me, Dean. And here's the deal. You talk about how Team Snap helps youth soccer we've got somebody that knows exactly how that works he is the director of coaching for ac brea in orange county he's also the president of the socal premier league we're talking about mr matt morse matt good to see you thank you dean it's great to be here great event it's outstanding all right right off the bat just in case there's somebody that's been under a rock and they don't know what's going on ken mcdonald tell us all about TeamSnap. what makes it great?
2: Sure, and first, uh, thanks again for having us here. You know, it's always great to be at this show, and it's great to be a, a supporter of the podcast. Uh, you know, Snap was created to really help coaches and organizations Be more efficient so that they could spend their time with the athletes instead of doing all of the sort of logistics and communication and scheduling around running a sports organization so a great example is you can have one person put in the schedule for the club or for the team just sinks down to everybody's phone anything changes boom it just ripples through to everybody's phone they know where they got to be what uniform they got to wear who's bringing the orange slices who's paid their tournament fees all that good all that good stuff so that, again, everybody's in sync and you can
1: focus on the athletes. Nobody perhaps knows better than a director of coaching for a club and a big one at that. Matt Morris, do you think Team Snap? you think what?
3: Um, you know, people say a lot of negative things about soccer parents. But uh, as a group, they're pretty intelligent because when I first discovered Team Snap, it was a lot of parents that kind of popped up and they started using this little tool to communicate with their teams. And I'm like, what is this TeamSnap thing? Everybody seems to be using it. And as we aggregated and, and saw that the critical mass was going, we started to look more deeply into TeamSnap and realize that it just be, it's just an excellent tool for
1: our, our whole organization. Well said, Matt. And obviously, communication is important, positive, communication is even more important and with the positive coaching alliance this has to be such a natural fit for you
4: yeah we've been partnered with team snap for probably seven or eight years now and when you think about the the youth sports landscape and the reach that that team snap has and and the tools that they provide for parents and coaches to, to as you said that communication between parents and coaches is, is so important to really make a, a positive youth sports experience and that's what pca is all about is how do we make sure that the youth sports experience is the best possible for our kids playing so that we can keep them involved in the sport for as long as possible.
1: These guys are good. They know how to set the table. We're going to take a break, pay some bills. We're going to come back and we're going to cover all kinds of issues. How to keep youth soccer affordable, parent involvement, specialization, recruiting, the overall landscape, how to stop the rat race, and so much more. It's the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamStep. Back with you in a moment.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com NSCAA1.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm smiling ear to ear because this is what I love, and I love being around great people. Ken McDonald, Chief Growth Officer from Team Snap. Jason Sachs, National Director of Business Development for Positive Coaching Alliance. And Matt Morris, Director of Coaching for A.C. Brea in Orange County. He's also the President of SoCal Premier League. We talked about positivity, positive communication. That is the key to everything we do, whether it's with Team Snap or just in life.
4: Yeah. So, Positive Coaching Alliance. we you know our mission is to improve the culture of youth sports. Even though it's just positive coaching in our in our title, um, we're all about culture change, and we're all about how do we work with organizations and schools to make sure that um, everybody's on the same page Uh, when you talk about like team snap and communication what better tool to make sure that everybody's on the same page so we want to work with the league administrators we want to work with coaches we want to work with parents and then even the athletes themselves all around this positive message of you know sports isn't just about winning and losing. We want to strive to win. We're all competitive. That's really important. We're not, you know, trying to take winning and competition out of the game, but we're also, you know, not everybody gets a trophy. So how do we strive to compete at a high level and make sure that we're doing it in, in a great way? And so the the whole idea of getting the message out and the message bombardment of here are the values of our team here's the culture of our organization and we want to make sure that the coaches know that the parents know that and the athletes themselves know that so i think that team snaps a platform that allows clubs to do that as well
1: that's jason sachs and matt morris that is music to your ears yeah for sure um,
3: one of the things i learned actually it was at a, a convention a couple years ago because when i come to the conventions i i like to go to the ones about psychology and the mental set, mindset and things like that. And one of the best pieces of advice I picked up at one of those was, you know, the 90% of what you need to do is not, not education, but just reminders, you know? And as a director of coaching, every week, there's something that happens on the field, you know, some parent or some interaction or some kid or some coach, you know, they just need to be reminded of why they're here. And, um, you know, Team Snap has allowed me just to either select an individual team I can select the managers, I can select the parents, uh, or I can select send send it out to all thousand kids in our organization. Hey, hey, here, let's be reminded about why we're here. And uh, I get a lot of good feedback when I when I send out, I remind them of our core values, character, commitment, community. Um, and when we send them out and say, hey, let's remind ourselves of why we're here and, and I always get a lot of feedback and usually the parents who who are the the ones you you know preach into the choir types, they're the ones that give me the private feedback, hey thanks a lot for sending that message. You know it really means a lot to us to hear from you. You know, because when we have you know 35 club teams out there, I can't always get to every game. But when they hear my voice, a reminder, they know that I'm there for their kid. And um, you know and the coaches appreciate it and everybody's like so we rally around that message and, and Team Snap allows us to do that. So it's it's amazing. And I
1: love it. And, Ken McDonald, you're all in as the chief growth officer for Team Snap, but also as a coach yourself.
2: Yeah, I love uh, Matt's example. I, I think sometimes as if, if you've been coaching for a long time, it's easy to forget that par- oh, there's a lot of parents who this is their first time with a kid playing sports. And I, I'm oftentimes amazed at how many parents, they didn't play sports growing up. So they really don't know what to expect they don't know what kind of behavior uh is appropriate and I think exactly as as Matt said they're very appreciative for the the guidance I mean they are they're looking for yeah how how should I be with my kid before the game during the game what should I say after the game so I think those sort of uh messages and as Jason said got to have Kind of balancing that that positive attitude with hey we're still here
4: to be competitive I think is is dead on. I think the, the to add to that and, and it goes back to Matt is of the message bombardment but also the continuing education and continuing learning whether you're a coach or a parent so one of the thing that that PCA prides ourselves on is you know we do a lot of live workshops for coaches and parents and athletes but when somebody walks out of that room from a two-hour interactive workshop is what are they doing after that and how can PCA help that? Mm So we have a lot of tools and resources we have a website pcadevzone.org we compare that to the WebMD of of youth sports so that you know if you're a parent and you're wondering you know as ken said what do i do on the car ride home with my child after the game or you know if i'm a coach and i'm trying to make sure that i'm not just teaching soccer but i'm teaching some life lessons along with it you come to the, the pca website you can do a quick search we have videos we have PDFs, we have articles, things like that, that can all uh, be, be pushed out and you can share it with your organization, you can share it on social and it's something that, you know, you need to, you know, you know we want coaches to be continual learners and as Ken said, you know, there are going to be new people coming into an organization all the time. So Matt, you're going to have turnover with parents, players, coaches all the time. So it's that, that constant reminders and getting new information to people.
3: Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, you know, we're not an official PCA club, but just so you know, I've been through all their materials, you That's know. Great. And as I became a director of coaching, I knew that was the messaging I want to bring. So, you know, I've been through it all. And you know, it's funny. Uh, just last week, I had a parent after a tournament. You know, they made it to the finals, and I got the message from the manager through the TeamSnap. Uh, said, hey, it's not the result we wanted, but good job and stuff like that. So I replied to the manager and I said, you know, it's all about the messaging. You know, so if you, you reply, you made it to the finals of the tournament, and, and your, your initial reaction was disappointment. You know, I said, you know, to the manager. I said, you know, that's really not the messaging we want. We want to focus on what we can control. We can't control whether we win or lose this tournament, but what we can't control, hey, 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 it was great. We saw the, you know, you guys show integrity on the field, and and uh, we really, you know, had a good time with our opponents, and appreciate the competition. So, if I can just capture those little bits of messaging, you know, in those little moments, and just remind people, it's the messaging, and and that's what Team Snap's all about, just getting that messaging out. And, um, and to be connected to all my teams, you know, my inbox is huge, you know. <laughs> I've got messages coming in all the time, but just to stay connected is great. And, and those little moments of reminders and, and that messaging is really good and just reminds you of, you know, what PCA is doing. Such a good job on,
2: on, on, on a bulk scale around the country um, getting those things out. I, I like just even breaking it down. One of the things I do is just break it down, and, and, and this is something I actually learned from the PCA folks is just – all the different things that are are a win, right? Like, not necessarily yeah. what the scoreboard yeah. is, but, you know, like, uh, you know, you get some new player. You know, I coach basketball, and they don't know anything. And if the first time they bring the ball up the court, the first time they take a shot, the first time they grab a rebound, those are all wins. And we talk about that a lot as a, as a team. And it's amazing how excited the kids get about that. Um, you know, I had a kid who just two years ago was brand new, just really struggled immensely. And this year had an amazing season. And you could see the whole team was so excited about that kid's progress. And I think it really goes actually a lot to things that I personally learned from the uh, PCA.
4: Yeah, and a, a lot of that is, is well, we we talk about two things, you know, goal setting and, and focusing on effort-related goals versus outcome and result-oriented goals, mm-hmm. and then also to, to Ken's point around you know a tool that we use called positive charting so you know before a game you could have an assistant coach or a parent help you and and basically line up a lot of different things that are effort-based that different players on your team can do so no matter what their skill level is you know whether it's you know sprinting down the sideline on a run or whatever or using your off foot and then you chart those and those are things that are effort-based that kids can control and then after the game you're gonna have good things to say about everyone on your team and that's a tank filler for them it Ends, ends their time on the soccer field in a positive way and they're going to be ready to come back for the next practice or game.
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of times when I have our coaches meetings, um, I'll list a, a bunch of uh, variables in a game and I'll make my coaches say, um, you know, is is this something you can control or is this something you can't control? And to force the coaches to focus on those things you can't control like a bad call by the referee or, um, you know, a shanked ball bounce, ticked a bad bounce or a kid making a run where you know maybe they made the wrong run and things like that and so what is it that you can and can't control in the game and the coaches need to really just focus in on that because that allows them to how to react um and um it's it's funny i'll i'll, I'll throw this in no we'll, we'll have it later but uh just an idea about yeah i'll, I'll talk about it now um you're, it's kind of about accountability right and uh, when i was thinking about how i messaged to my coaches um you know, I, I use, my coaches use Team Snap to check in and everything like that. And when we have our coaches' meetings, just reminded me just last week, um, I start off the year with high expectation, but I also tell them I give them a high grace. And if they check in, and they didn't check in to, to come to the coaches' meeting, they didn't get any pizza, you know. And it's like... Teaching the, the, the coaches accountability just as much as they teach their kids, you know. And I just use TeamSnap as that tool to throw, hey, this is a, a little accountability tool for them because they can control whether they say they're coming or not. So just getting them in that mindset is, you know, is a way to go.
2: My, my point was actually a little tied to, to both of yours was just actually I, I love – I've seen some coaches who take some of those effort-based uh, goals yeah. and then they turn it into some sort of reward, whether it's the coach is going to then do push-ups at the end of the game <laughs> mm-hmm. or they're going for ice cream or something like that. And it's, it is amazing to see how the kids rally, you know, to have the kids – you know, to have the coach do 20 push-ups or we're going to Dairy Queen or whatever. And yet it, it, it puts the, the emphasis back on – you know, whether it's hustling or, you know, just doing some of the fundamentals right, which in the end, I think we all recognize that's what ends up winning games,
4: you know, as well, which is, which is funny. Yeah. That's exactly what I was just going to, you know, close it out with basically saying all these things that are effort-based and process-oriented, those are the things that if you just focus on those, the wins are going to come. So if yeah. you're and you find all these small success stories and things along the way that if you were only focused on the outcome and the result then you're going to be missing all these opportunities along the way. Connectivity, accountability, positivity,
1: and even a little pizza and ice cream. <laughs> we right. cover it all. When we come back. We're going to talk parent involvement. What a panel here. The United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap at the TeamSnap booth at the convention. You know it. Dean Linky, back with you. The United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. What a panel. A power panel. The Chief Growth Officer for TeamSnap, Ken McDonald. Jason Sachs, the National Director of Business Development for Positive Coaching Alliance. What a collaboration. And Matt Morris. He knows how it all works. How it all comes together. The Director of Coaching for A.C. Brea in Orange County. The President of SoCal Premier League. When we went to break, I said it parent involvement you say that you've got visions some good some bad i'll say it to you parent involvement matt morris
3: all right thanks dean
1: yeah when uh, i'm a parent myself
3: i have three boys uh, that are 22 20 and 17 uh they still love the game they're involved in the game but uh you know just when i started coaching club you know i didn't have any kids i was 22 years old and i didn't know what it meant to have a relationship with a parent you know and uh, I had to learn that over time. You know, I, I did some good things. I made some mistakes. But, you know, as I got into a director role uh, in my 30s, I, I started to realize how important that relationship with parents is because, you know, for me, I was hired by parents. You know, they brought me in. There's a, a board of directors, and I interviewed before them, and we talked about, you know, what do we want this to look like? You know, so for me, parent involvement is, is huge. It's so important to to have that relationship with parents, um, and so so I came into the club as a director and I brought my kids in with me at the same time so you know I got to enjoy that as a parent and be involved as a parent myself and you know the relationships I've built over time have been great I try not to ever burn bridges and you know if I if I have to take a kid to another club you know I'll do that because you know it's the relationship's more important to me than whether the kid's wearing the colors of my jersey. And and I want to see them succeed and grow. And we don't have a professional team at the top of our club, so I know eventually they're not going to be a part of us at some point. Either they're going to go into college or they're going to move to a higher level. Um, But, you know, we want to have them move away with that with a positive experience in relationship with that and you know we can get into some things that have happened that are that are negative but and uh we've built in a structure of 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 managing those those relationships and uh but you know i want to say parent involvement in 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 and having joy you know raising the kids so i see it's a it's a triangle parent child and player son or daughter to uh, to focus in together and all be all be integrated and unified on, on the on what we're trying to do on the field. So uh, I know Jason has a lot to say about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: I feel like when you when you start talking about uh, youth sports and the youth sports landscape, um, you know, a lot of times people will say what's wrong with it and the first word out of their mouth are, oh the parents, you gotta control the parents, and um, you know when you look at an organization, You know, you can focus a lot of time on your coaches and the players and what you're doing there as an organization, but if you don't focus on parents, then you can lose a lot of the momentum that you've gained with the coaches and players. So that's why, you know, when PCA works with an organization, we want to get everybody on the same page. And so we have tangible tools and resources that we want to give to league leaders of how you include parents into the overall landscape. So, you know, one of the first things that we recommend everybody does is, you know, each team have a preseason meeting with your parents. And, and if you don't know what to talk about, PCA's got an agenda for you. You know, we, we have a script for you, so we make it as easy as possible. But as a coach, setting the expectation for your parents of what this league is gonna be about, what this team's about, here are some rules that we're gonna abide by on this team, whether that has to do with playing time, showing up on time, you know, different, you know, expectations for the parents. Because if you haven't laid out those expectations at the beginning of the season as a coach, then what do you expect the parents to to do? So, you know, be proactive, hold them accountable, set those expectations, because when you set the expectations, things tend to, you know, play out a a little smoother. I think the other thing, as a coach and a parent, uh, whatever role you're in, hopefully there's some sort of interaction between coaches and parents before anything might get out of control. So you never want the first time as a parent to be saying something to the coach being in a negative way, like, oh, you know, I'm so mad about, you know, my kid's playing time, which we can get into. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, set, that, set the relationship up for success at the beginning. So come over to the, the coach, you know, thank them for their time and commitment that they're putting into to coaching your child and say, if there's anything I can do as, to help as a parent, Please let me know. Um, but but make sure it's that positive first interaction because then, you know, that can set a course that's that's much better than, you know, if the first time you're, you're going after a coach is in, in a bad way. And, Ken, I know you've, you've been on both sides of it as a parent and as a coach, so I've seen you, you've seen it from both sides. Yeah, boy, what you're talking
2: about, uh, you pretty much described my own personal coaching uh, journey. I, you know, I, I think about I showed up to start coaching, you know almost 20 years ago and at first i just focused on the athletes and i spent almost no time on the parents and i quickly realized that i was leaving this void and that the parents were filling in that void with their own narrative and i mean just to give a very specific example i do a lot of drills and i actually and again i remember i coach uh, basketball you know but uh and i even do some things in the games just to force passing and um you know, I realized that the parents thought it was kind of weird and they, you know, didn't necessarily support it. Once I started explaining why I was doing that, you know, to give all the kids a chance to, to touch the ball and, you know, uh, just some other fundamentals. I realized how much the parents could then, you know, reinforce my message as opposed to working against me. So very much what you were talking about, Jason. Yeah. Um,
3: both of you guys, Jason and Ken, just all these things are flooding into my head about all these experiences I've had on the sideline. Um, you know Jason, you pretty much described our, our environment and, and we didn't start out there. you know I had to learn by trial and error. It takes time right yeah, yeah. I mean I've, I've been at this club for 11 years and, and I directed another club before that but but just last year we, we made it mandatory for every team to do a preseason orientation That's meeting. Great. you know off the field, we, you know we rent the local amphitheater in our city. Uh, we get the age groups together. We, we got a PowerPoint that goes through everything. You know, it's an hour and a half. It's a long thing. But we really want to make sure our messaging is clear with the parents because I, I tell a lot of coaches, say, sometimes you lose them not with your coaching, not with the records, but with the messaging. If they don't understand why you're doing what you're doing and they don't buy into that, you know, uh, then, then you're gonna lose them. You're gonna have conflict. And uh, I had an incident happen just a couple weeks ago on the field. It, it was a, you know, we're in tryout season, you know, and uh, and you know, usually a lot of times during tryouts, you don't you don't capture that messaging beforehand. But um, you know, so a lot of new kids are coming out. But we're there. I was watching this scrimmage on the sideline and. Um, you know, this dad was kind of chirping on the sideline and, and coaching his kid off to the side. And, uh, you know, the manager went down and talked to him. And this wasn't a new kid, you know. Um, he's a kid who's been on the team. And then it kind of exploded. It got bigger. It got out of control. You know, the coach and the parent kind of had a little yelling thing going on. And I, and I saw it happening. I, I, didn't, I didn't interact. But, uh, you know, a couple days later, I got a call from the manager and the coach. And they said, hey, you know, we got to deal with this situation. What, what are we going to do here? And I said, okay, well, let's get a meeting together with the parent. Let's get the player-parent agreement out there and we'll review it with them. They're like, well, we haven't done the player-parent agreement. I'm like, well, I, I can't really help you then because you have, you have not laid the standard. You have not set the foundation of expectation so how can we hold this guy accountable? You haven't given him any guidelines or barriers to 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 follow from. So I said, you guys got yourself into this mess. So you know we're gonna have to sit down and say, hey, sorry. You know, here's the agreement that <laughs> we forgot to give you. You know, because we really wanted your kid on the team, and we're gonna you know maybe not set a standard for you to come in. So
2: yeah. Yeah, I, I would just add. I, I think one of the things you both talked about was having a, a meeting at the beginning of the season. I, I think one of the things I encourage coaches to do is not just at the beginning season, but if there's some big milestone or something coming up. So a lot of times, like if I take kids to a tournament, and I know that that tournament's gonna be a very emotional weekend for the kids, and maybe I've got some kids who haven't lost a whole lot, and now they're going to a tournament where there's a good chance (laughs) they're gonna get shellacked a couple of times, and maybe the parents haven't seen their kids lose before, we will again have a meeting, and again sort of set expectations, review behavior, Mm And just to get go back to what we were talking about earlier, wh- why are we here at this tournament? What are we trying to get out of this from kind of a bigger life standpoint, exactly. life lessons? Uh, I find that hugely, uh, hugely valuable.
3: Yeah, exactly, I, I have a coaching handbook and, and I make the coaches write down the purpose for every game. Not in every specific game, but what is your purpose in season? What is your purpose for these friendlies? What is your purpose for this tournament? And some tournaments you go into knowing you want the challenge. You know you're not going to win. Some terms you go into because you know you're going to win or you think you're going to win. But if parents know ahead of time the purpose for each specific game, they understand. Because a lot of parents go into every game's the same. Well, we're here to win and we're here to go. And they don't understand, well, why didn't we win that game? Well, sometimes by design you go into it not planning to win you know you may be playing an older team or a harder tournament and, and that communication is so important so you know that that thing I mentioned on the last segment about the manager sending out that messaging and that, all that did was tell me is you know the coach didn't really indicate to them what's the purpose of this of, of this set of games right here and, um, and we can share that so easily through Team Snap. and um, you know and, and it's just again it comes back to that reminder remind them why we're here you know, <laughs> you can't remind them. You know, one time, <laughs> beginning of the season, but it's yep. got to be every week, uh, every day. Yep. Always reminding them why we're here, what's the purpose of being here, and, th- and that really. That really helps with parent involvement and it gets them on board. And, and that really builds the club, too, because then people start hearing about it and, and they start coming. You don't have to do the recruiting because they hear why you're doing what you're doing. And it, you, you're different, you know. You, you people go, why, why is this club different? You know, our parents are all crazy and yelling and, and this and that. And they're, well they're all sitting calmly on the sidelines, you know. I'm not saying all 35 teams are like that for sure. You know, that's, that's, that's unrealistic. But, you know, for the most part, we, we try to have that kind of environment. Matt Morse, you've made
1: communication with the parent a standard, a priority, amazingly, perhaps shockingly, there are some clubs that won't even let parents watch practice or even let them talk to the coach. What are your thoughts on that, Jason Sachs?
4: It's a good question, and I think, I think we don't want to go too far and just you know, say there can't be any communication. So instead of you know, just cutting things off entirely – I think it comes back to the education and setting expectation of the proper way to community, to communicate, and what's acceptable in our organization. At PCA, we talk a lot about culture, and and our definition of culture is the way we do things here. So, as an organization, you can have that mantra of, "Hey, this is the way we do things here, and here are the expectations for our parents." So, as a parent, you're not allowed to talk to the coach, you know. 15 minutes right after the game, there needs to be a cooling off period or we, you're not, we
3: make them wait 24 hours. <laughs> right,
4: right, exactly, exactly, right? And there's not, you know, you can't um, ask the coach about playing time. If there is a question about playing time, that's something that the, you know, the 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 athlete themselves can go and talk to the coach about it. So we would rather have you educate parents and coaches on the proper way to communicate with each other instead of just cutting that off, because you're not doing anything, if anything, you're probably gonna cause more, you know, tension between the two groups because it's like, oh, I just want to say something to the coach, but I know I can or else I'm going to get in trouble. Instead, hey, here are the, you know, steps that you want to go through if you want to, you know, talk to the coach if there's an issue. Here are the steps you want to go through. You know, obviously, if you're you're fearing for the, you know, safety of your child, then yes, you know, talk to the, the leaders of the organization. But a lot of these issues are things that as long as the expectation has been set of, here's how, you know, if you want to, you know ask something to to the coach or you want to bring something up to the coach here's the proper way to do it you know email them before practice say can i talk with you for 5 or 10 minutes set that up so you're not blindsiding the coach the coach you know a lot of these coaches whether they're you know they have a lot on their plate getting ready for practices they're parents of their own they're coming from work you know all these things give them the respect and the opportunity to to know what's going to be coming from from a parent and Matt i'm sure you have a lot of different situations where parents and coaches might not only see eye to eye on things.
3: No, that's great and and Dean you you, you hit it right on the head too and Jason that's this awesome advice and information but uh, I have a great little example and and everyone's got to have their standards, right? And, th- and there's really no right or wrong when it comes to standards, I don't think because every club operates individually. Every club has an identity and you mentioned Dean some some clubs don't allow their parents to even be on the sidelines and things like that I've got a great example you know where our club is small and you know we, we don't we let the parents kind of be there and interact and sometimes even get on the field and help as long as they're licensed you know I took my son like I said we're not a, we're not a big club but um, we have some good teams but I I took my own son once to an academy tryout Yeah, you know, US development Academy team associated with an MLS you know and and the funny thing is, is is the coach who was coaching this academy team I used to coach him he was my player. <laughs> And uh, so I took my son out there and I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to go hang out and, you know, stand on the field. And uh, I took my son out to there. And, and this coach, who, who used to be my player, is like, I'm going to have to ask you to go sit in the, sa- in the stands. And I'm like, really? I can't stand out here and do this? He's like, no, sorry, we don't allow any of this. And and, and I, I kind of took me aback, but I'm like, you know what? I respect that. He, he is immediately you know, establish that, hey, where's their standards? And we follow these standards. It's not personal, it's not anything against me, but we follow these standards. And that just, you know, it it showed me that, all right, this is the standard of this club, and I can respect that, and I I follow that. Um, A lot of times, sometimes we'll come across parents who want to fight against those standards, but you just continue reminding them. But uh, like I said, there's no right or wrong, but there's, as long as you communicate your standards, and, and get everybody to buy in, people will find the right fit. So, uh, yeah, Ken, I'm sure you have that in your world as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I was just going to say I think the other element that we haven't talked about is the uh, is the age uh, side of things. I mean, I think what's appropriate for kids that are 3 years old versus 17 is, mm-hmm. is radically different. And I think it, the other dimensions we haven't really touched on is I do think, especially as the kids get older, I, I like the – organizations that put more of the onus on the kids to bring the issues forward. Um, and as a parent, one of the things I've tried to do, even with the younger kids, is even if if the the coaching staff does allow me to be involved, is I will try and just more say, hey coach, my son has got this issue, he'd like to talk to you about issue X. Would it be okay if the two of you chatted about that? Because, you know, I know if, if kids like seven or eight, sometimes they can be kind of intimidated, but to set up early from the kids' perspective that it's their you know, that they need to communicate. I think that's part of the life lessons of being part of a team.
1: Parent involvement, check that box. Positive communication, check that box. We know, boy do we know, the landscape of youth soccer is changing every day in every way. Specialization, recruiting, super clubs, and so much more. We'll talk overall landscape of youth soccer when we come back, because we can. It's the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap.
0: By being a member of the United Soccer Coaches, you are a part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org to find out more. Now, once again, here's our host, Dean Linky.
1: Dean Linky, the host of the United Soccer Coaches podcast, presented by Team Snap, getting smarter because I'm around super smart people. Ken McDonald, chief growth officer of Team Snap. Jason Sachs, national director of business development for the Positive Coaching Alliance. And also Matt Morse, the director of coaching for A.C. Brea in Orange County. He's also the president of SoCal Premier League. We talked about the landscape of youth soccer, heck, the landscape of youth sports changing every day, Jason Sachs.
4: Yeah, I mean it's something that that PCA, obviously being around for for 20 years, um, is something that you know the reason why we why we exist. And even looking back at you know my youth sports experience 25 years ago, and just the the changing landscape of some of the the major topics in youth sports is is seeing you know youth sports leading to the high school competitive sports leading to I want to get a college scholarship or I want my kids to to get a college scholarship and those things have gotten a little out of control and people are it's become a win-at-all-cost society with sports where people are just focusing on getting ahead and you know it leads to a lot of bad things like specialization where kids are playing one sport year round at a really young age and there's a ton of research out there that shows that that's not a good thing that playing multiple sports is is much better on from a a mental and a physical standpoint and I think there are other things where you know that's leading to burnout kids are dropping out of sports at a a younger age I think other things around the idea of um, you know when you want your child to be able to you know go out and play and have a positive experience where it's not just worried about you know you're not just worried about whether they're going to win whether they're going to go to that next elite uh, tournament, um, we're we're taking the wreck the wreck out of youth sports right now, and that's a bad thing. You know, we have so many examples of, you know, if if a parent or a coach isn't doesn't like the way that they're little youth sports organization or even a bigger youth sports organization is being run that they're breaking off and they're going to say you know we're going to start our own league and you know we you know my kids are seven years old and they've been playing soccer for four years we need to start traveling around you know around the state because we need to have an elite team and so a lot of those things have just gotten a little out of hand because people forget about you know sports should be about learning, teaching life lessons, staying active, and not just focusing on the winning part. So, Ken, I know you guys have a lot of research around the changing landscape of youth sports and some different topics, so would love to just hear some of your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, we do a a survey where we look at kind of the size and type of uh, soccer organizations out there, and, uh, you know, in the past, we had a category for Super Club, what was just sort of a rounding error, and this was the first year that, showed up on the uh, surveys and I forget our exact definition of what a super club was but it you know was a certain size and above and it really jumped out It really shocked us we we're like wow this is this is changing we have not seen this before so Matt I know you uh, uh you know I'm you've in seen the this. land I'm... of super clubs in <laughs> <Yeah>. Southern California
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's interesting both of you guys Jason and, and Ken hit on topics that are really close to me especially in southern california and the landscape and you know really i'll just kind of hit nationally i mean yesterday i sat in uh, both paul caligiri session and sunil galati you know to hear the the outgoing president of u.s soccer and hear the the one of the uh, incoming running for president and just to hear their views and thoughts on the game and there's so much buzz around the convention about yeah. the u.s not making it to the World Cup, about who the next president is, about all the problems, what's right and wrong. Uh, there's a, a publication in Southern California called Goal Nation, and you know, regularly they're interviewing people and answering the question, what's right and wrong with soccer and what are the solutions, what can we do about it? And Jason, you mentioned one thing about, um, you know, people go off and start their own leagues and yeah. stuff like that. I'm actually in the process of starting a league. We had a launch event last now- night, we're starting SoCal Premier Youth. Um, I've been president of SoCal Premier Adult League and it's been it's been in existence since 1976 And it's all about organizing play and our adult league is about organizing play on a local level and uh, We want to bring that back in Southern California We have teams traveling, you know an hour and a half for one game You know to play and and we need to bring these clubs back together and, and I look at soccer is in a, in trends uh, I'm actually in a master's program, my last class I'm in it this semester uh, in anthropology and I'm studying sport and culture. So for the past three years I've been investigating sport in Southern California and one of the things I did was the history of soccer in Southern California and, and it goes in increments in ten years and I'll bring this up to date but it started in the 60s, AYSO, people wanting to organize games so they did it, you know AYSO very successful, still going on today In the 70s, that's when the club started. You know, Coast Soccer League, I mentioned them in my event last night, thanked them for all the things they've done. But Coast Soccer started in the 70s, organizing elite-level play, and it was exclusive. They they actually turned teams away all the time because, no, this is for the elites. You know, and then the 80s, they started to open up and and merge. And then in the 90s, you started to see clubs professionalize, paid coaches, DOCs, and, and now in the 2000s, the first 10 years of 2000s, you saw the super club start to grow. And that was the last 10 years. And then these last 10 years right now, what you have is, is just an explosion of um, development academies and franchising and, and things going away. And it used to be the biggest club was 30 teams, 40 teams. Now you've got, you know, in Southern California, the, the, the surf, 13,000 players in their club you know, and, I, and, there's, there's, they're, and they're franchising all over the place. And it's not a bad thing, it's a model, and the market allows for that, you know, and there's there's good things that are happening, but there's also an underbelly of, you know, where, where is all this heading, you know? And I think the whole country is asking that question, where is all this heading, what, what should it look like, you know? And, and if we can go back to the player and the game and centralize on that, and, and I think we can find the answers.
4: You're, you hit on it, Matt. I mean, I think it's it's a very interesting time for soccer in our country. Um, really at a crossroads with a leadership change, not making the World Cup, and I think it's difficult. You know, when you look at the U.S. Soccer Federation, you have you know their goal is you know to to, to win a World Cup, exactly. right? But at the same time, they have a goal of getting as many kids playing soccer and staying involved in soccer mm-hmm. as long as possible. So eventually, those two goals come to a point where. The, the line gets blurred of, of of what we're focusing on, whether keeping more kids involved in, in soccer versus, okay, now we're targeting kids at a younger age that, you know, show some promise. So we need to keep an eye on those. Um, and I think the, you know, the troubling thing is that there's a couple things, you know, just the idea of free play has gone away for, you know, not only from a, you know, a financial standpoint of free play, but just kids going out and playing soccer without adults and mm-hmm. you know, just going out and playing. And if you look at other countries, that it's all around you know that type of style. But at the same time, you know, how do we, when we get kids playing soccer, because soccer tends to be one of the first sports that kids play because it's, you know, you're out there with a ball and it's easy and you, and you can start go playing. So as kids are playing at a young age, how do we make sure that parents, coaches, organizational leaders are all on the same page of we don't want to rush this too much you know and some of our pca workshops for parents specifically we talk about the three stages and you know the first stage is that romantic stage where a kid just loves the sport they can go out and kick a ball against the wall forever and they'll be happy and then the next stage is the technical stage we're bringing kids to the technical stage really early and we're focusing on that really early and then i think that's leading to a lot of the you know super clubs or pushing out the smaller clubs because you know, I want my kid on the elite team, I want my kid to be traveling, and if they're still playing rec, quote unquote rec soccer by the age of nine or ten, then I feel like I'm behind when kids aren't really physically maturing until thirteen and fourteen, so, you know, we're we're losing out on a lot of good athletes because they haven't had the the, the best experience. Yeah. But
2: I I, I I was just gonna yeah I mean I think you Matt you touched on it. It all is about what the, the kids want though, and I think the parents and the organizations need to to think about that and and, you know you just take a hundred kids right and there's the there's the two kids that are extraordinary and they need those ultra competitive things where you know they're going to go travel and play the best competition around you got a a bunch of kids you're kind of in the middle who they need some competition but you know they they shouldn't be out there practicing five six days a week and you got some kids who they just want a chance to get out and burn off some energy, and you know, have uh, you know, play a game, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, have it keep it real loose. And it's once or twice a week. And I think yeah. we just, both as parents and as organizers of the sport, need to remember there's such yeah. a range of what kids want. Yep. I think one of
3: the most important things, Ken and Jason both, and is um, you know, as I've studied multiple cultures and traveled. Um, you know, I, I've, I try to liken what's happening in the United States with, you know, what happens in other countries. You know, in, in India, you have the caste system, and people identify you by your caste and what you're in. You don't associate with people that are in a lower caste and things like that, and, and that's not healthy. We all know that, you know, because everybody has value. But, you know, we, we've developed this caste system in, in, in the United States around sport, you know, where parents associate, you know, oh, are you elite, or you, you club, or you rec? You know, and, and, oh, what club do you play for? And, and it's all about kind of identifying um, who you are based on the level of jersey you wear. And, and the, one of the most important, crucial things is, is developing a child's identity. Like, who is this child becoming? And, and if we bring up childs where, children where their identity is in their performance, then they're never going to be successful. Because they're they never going to be able to achieve enough, and we got to change that focus on their ed- identity, being and they, who they are as a character, what they do when people aren't walking, their work eth- when they're not people aren't watching, their work ethic, and all those things, and, and we got to step back and look at what, what kind of identity are we creating, and, and it starts from the top. U.S. Soccer has to define their identity as a nation, as a, as a soccer nation. Are we are we a soccer nation? You know, here we are at at, at the largest gathering of coaches probably in the world, and and we're talking about doing the same thing. And, and, um, you know, and uh, both Paul Calagiri and Neil Gulati, both of them focused in on on that topic, you know, not necessarily identity, but just, you know, we need to focus in on, at the core of the day, this player. We're all here. Without the player, we don't need coaches. We don't need any of this stuff. and it's all about investing in that player and creating an identity for them so that they can go you know if we all knew the stats of who goes on to play pro or do anything like this you know we we can kind of be in a bubble here and think everybody's in the game but you know there's millions of hundreds of millions of people who you know move on from the game and, and live their lives and, and do they have healthy experiences with the game and then recreate that in their own families
4: yeah I mean we're we're sitting in here in the exhibit hall and you have you know, thousands of booths here. And I mean, and it's, you know, the signage, the business of soccer gets done here. It's a huge business, right? Mm-hmm. And, and youth sports across the board, you know, is a huge business. And it's, you know, when I was playing, it wasn't like this. When, when you all were growing up and playing, it wasn't like this. So I think the other interesting thing is that, you know, the the horse is out of the barn. Like now we're in this environment. So what are the steps that we can take to try and, you know, not necessarily make things the way they were 20 years ago but okay if we're in this environment and we do have this is the landscape how can we put in parameters how can we make sure that we're focusing on the important things like you know keeping kids involved longer you know the development of of players and coaches and parents um, and not just focusing on how do we get ahead how do we make it too competitive so I think it's it's you know, it's a new reality, and you know people are going to have to adjust. And I think you know Ken and your team, you guys could speak to it probably more than anyone of you know, 15 million users and the way people are communicating and the whole you know tech boom within youth sports alone. It's just it's, the landscape has changed. I, I think so much of it goes back to you know
2: we talked about the parents, but I think it's a discussion the parents have with their kids, and they have it every season, and they sit down with the kids and say. What do you want to do? Because, I, I mean, and I've gone through this even with my own kids. It's amazing. There are k- times where your kid is super into sports and they want the ultra-competitive, and there are other times where they just say, you know what, I want to dial back. This, I, I either, maybe I don't want to play this season, or I just want to play something very casual, you know. And I think, I think when the parents sort of assume, hey, my kid always wants to play that ultra-competitive, I think that's where we sometimes get some of these mismatches. When you have that decision discussion with your kid, and really listen to what the kid says, I think it sets up for better decision making around all of this. Mm-hmm. Matt, you want to build that?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the culture I'm trying to build in my club. Um, you know, building AC Brayer for the last 11 years, I've really attempted to do that. And um, as we go, and I I start this new youth league, um, you know, I've put my head on the chopping block. You know, I put myself <laughs> out there, and, and uh, I've never been one to be political or do any of that stuff but you know i see an opportunity with everything that's going on and the craziness that we feel all around us to be like you know what let's get back to the core and the most important thing and let's bring clubs together to collaborate to work together to focus on the important things and um, you know and can we bring this together you know and it's all about creating models of organizing play
1: that makes sense for the kid it is a new reality. The landscape has indeed changed. But it's clear that Team Snap, Positive Coaching Alliance, United Soccer Coaches, and clubs like A.C. Brea have core values at the top of their priorities. That's awesome. we
0: we'll back to wrap it up when we come back. Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job. With Team Snap, it doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com slash NSCAA1.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Those of you that know me know I get excited after a big goal and I'll say, how about North Carolina FC? Well, how about... The United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. Final thoughts with our incredible roundtable. Ken McDonald, Chief Growth Officer for TeamSnap. Jason Sachs, National Director of Business Development, Positive Coaching Alliance. And Matt Morris, Director of Coaching for AC Brea, President of the SoCal Premier League. Final thoughts time. We start with the Chief Growth Officer of TeamSnap, Ken McDonald.
2: Yeah, thanks, Dean. You know, when I... uh When I think about how to approach sports, I I really go back to my own uh, life. Sports was such a huge part of of my life growing up. I played like six, seven sports. And I just, you know, I had a really, one coach in particular who really showed me how much uh, I I was capable of doing. And that just led to so many things in my life. And I, I, I think so much of what we're talking about here Uh, brings me back to that. And I guess if I had one message to pass on to people, it would just be go back and think about how sports impacted you and how can you bring that to your coaching every every day. Um, And, you know, if if folks would like to hear more about TeamSnap, we've got information on our website at www.teamsnap.com
1: final thoughts Jason Sachs positive coaching alliance
4: thanks thanks for having me uh, Dean This has been a great great conversation and I mean as I look this is my second year at, at this show um, and I think each year the the attendance has grown over the last few years so there's obviously a lot of passion around soccer and, and youth sports in general in our in our country and I think it's it's now our job to make sure that we um, put that passion in the right direction and make sure that it's it's utilized in the right way and we're providing the proper tools and resources for everybody that's involved in the game, whether it's a you know a club leader, uh, you know, a coach, a parent, or, or the athletes themselves. So uh, to g- give a quick plug of, of where you can find some resources from PCA, go to our, our resource center. It's pcadevzone.org. D-E-V, it's like the, the WebMD for youth and high school sports. You can find a lot of great videos and tools there, whether you're a coach, parent, athlete, or a club administrator. So uh, we're looking forward to the future of youth sports in our country. We think there's obviously a lot of work to be done, but, but we definitely can, can, can make it uh, you know, a positive place where kids can play sports.
1: Final thoughts, Matt Morse, AC Brea. Hey, thank you, Dean.
3: It's, it's been amazing getting to know everybody here, Jason and Ken and, and Dean, and just being a part of this. Thanks for the invitation. And um, you know, just a couple things. Um, just first off, TeamSnap. Um, I really love the product. It's it's changed myself, my ability to lead and direct, and be connected to everybody in the organization. You know, at, a, at the click of a button through the app, and and the, the response team has been great to help me through their new product lines. We ran our, our recreational league through TeamSnap tournaments, which is a really new product, and. And it really was just amazing to, to make ease of use, you know, communication, and then to really focus on the main thing. And, and since we're at the, the, the United Soccer Coaches Convention, I just want to speak to the coaches here. Um, you know, there's, there's two types of coaches there's a transformational coach, and then there's a transactional coach. If at any time you're looking at the player and asking them, what can they do for me and my team, and you're looking at it the wrong way, you know, your job as a coach is to be a transformational person in their life. Your job is to impart in them uh, an identity where it's not based on performance. Their identity is based on them them as a human being and their value. And um, if we can approach the game like that and we can collaborate with other coaches and just stay on message, stay on point. There's a lot of different groups here vying for, for control of, 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 you know, the, the country, uh, small areas and things like that, you know, but we need to continue to remind ourselves what our message is, and that's be transformational in the lives of kids so that they still play when, they, when they're adults because they love the game and they introduce their kids to the game. We, we really do need to increase the numbers of, of players in this, in this country, and, and it all starts from that, in, in loving the children and creating a good environment for them.
1: Matt Morris, thank you so much. Thank you. Jason Sachs, thank you so much. Thank you. Ken McDonald, thank you so much. My pleasure. I want to thank our producer, Kyle Lang. Also want to thank Brett Rhodes with Team Snap and Ashley Goodrich with the United Soccer Coaches. For everybody, I'm Dean Linke. Enjoy the show. We'll see you next time on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
2: The NSCAA is now United Soccer Coaches. We aren't changing who we are, just what you call us. Start your free no-risk trial membership today. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash join.